Episode number 243, Telling the Old Story for a New Time, with Jason Moore. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Well, hey guys, welcome to Making Sunday Happen. So glad that you're here this week. Only a few days left to grab our Go Unlimited subscription plan for 50% off. Through COVID-19, we've been running a sale for you to grab our entire ready-made worship media library for 50% off. That brings the library down to only $25 a month with a 12-month commitment. So it's normally $49 a month. So now is the time to jump into that. Uh, The library includes all of our mini-movies, full series kits that we call Series in a Box, service packs, lyric media, and more. Just use the code VIRUS2020 at checkout at this URL, 1230.media forward slash go. All right? VIRUS2020 at 1230.media forward slash go to get to grab that great deal. It's going to be over with this week, so go pick it up if you would. Today I'm going to be joined by my friend Jason Moore. Jason is an author, speaker, and worship coach. He's the author of 10 books. His latest book is called From Franchise to Local Dive. Uh, it's available now. Uh, he is the co-founder of Midnight Oil Productions and is a creative consultant for numerous denominations. And we have shifted our podcast schedule around to bring you the most relevant content as we're still in the middle of COVID-19. So I asked Jason to come to the podcast because he's put together an incredible webinar called Telling the Old Story in a New Time. It's all about how to shift your worship experience to online. So we're going to talk through best practices for worshiping online and beyond in a physically distanced world. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at Text in Church. Tyler Smith and his team have been very, very gracious to sponsor our podcast and some of our training material this week, or this month rather, Uh, and they are gifting a 60-day free membership to anyone new who signs up for their platform. 60 days completely free. They They are a fantastic text and email platform for your church so that you can stay connected with your members and guests. I had Tyler on the podcast last week to talk through how to communicate to your church through uncertain times. Uh, I would love for you to go back and listen to that episode. Tyler had some really, really good stuff, so be sure to check that out. Uh, You can also go to textinchurch.com to get started on that 60-day free membership, textinchurch.com. Our sponsorships, uh, like Tyler's at Text and Church, allow us to bring you all of this content for free. So the podcast is free, the blog is free, our training resources are free or extremely affordable, uh, and it's through the generosity and partnership of our sponsors that make that happen. So if you would like to sponsor a blog post or a podcast episode, you can visit 1230.media forward slash sponsor, and we only promote ministries that we use and believe in. 
uh, and they they keep us rolling. So thank you to Text and Church and all of our sponsors uh, for keeping us rolling each month to bring you content for free or really, really affordable. All right, so we're going to go ahead and jump right into my interview with Jason Moore as we're going to talk about how to tell the old story in a new time. Here's my interview with Jason. Hey guys, today I welcome author and worship consultant Jason Moore uh, to the podcast. Jason, what's up, man? Thanks for taking the time. Hey, good to see you on my screen. <laughs> I know, man. We are uh, we are social distancing, my my brother, and uh, yes. we have been for for quite some time. Uh, and uh, man, church looks a lot different the last few weeks than it has uh, in the past, doesn't it? It really does, and uh, I am just blown away by how fast. A very slow-moving process usually goes like uh, we all jumped online in a week, which is incredible. I've never seen the church move so fast, so that's been yeah. uh, that's been kind of fun to watch. Yeah, and man, uh, you've put together a webinar uh, called "Telling the Old Story in a New Time." So tell me how the workshop came about and why you felt a need to to jump into into the fray. Sure. Well, um, it's a kind of an interesting story. I had a church that back in. August of last year in Denver had me come and secret worship at their church, which is something I do 25 times a year uh, all over the country. And um, he called me the first week of all this and said, Hey, now that we're online, would you be willing to secret worship my online experience? And I said, yeah, I'd be happy to, to do that for you. So I wrote a page or so of notes and had a bunch of feedback for him. And I realized after writing the notes up that so many of the things I was telling him were things that I had seen other churches doing that were either right or that needed to be addressed. And so I said, Hey, would you mind if I turned this into a little article? And he was like, no, that'd be fine. So I wrote this little article, like five ways to improve your online worship experience or something. And within a day of doing that, I had a denominational official in the United Methodist church in Pennsylvania reach out to me and say, we want you to do a 90 minute webinar on that. Would you be willing to do that? And I said, sure. Well, let me see if I've got an actual webinar here. Um, so I spent some time brainstorming and went over what I had with him. He's like, this is great. Well, the next day, another annual conference, which is the way United Methodists are uh, organized by regions, uh, mm -hmm. called me and said, uh, would you do a webinar on that article? And I was like, okay, yeah, well, I've actually started to work on that. And then a third one. And within the course of about three or four days, uh, 14 different annual conferences all over the country um, asked me to to uh, to do a webinar for them as well. So wow. it was a crazy uh, week and a half of uh, scheduling multiple time zones and like sitting in front of my computer all day long for uh, multiple days on end. But yeah. uh, I was blessed blessed to do it. Yeah. What's been the response been from those who've been in the webinar that have implemented your material? Well, you know, uh, I've seen a, a wide range of responses uh, from, wow, I can actually do this to, um, I thought this was going to be uh, really technical and you've helped me because I know nothing about technology to, um, you know, there are some things that I just hadn't really thought about that you really helped me think through uh, and, and so on. So it's the, the most fun thing was that the weekend after I did it, I started seeing churches that attended it. Um, changed their worship and were tagging me in posts and saying, look what I did, <laughs> you know, yeah. based on some of the things that I taught them. One of, one of the things that uh, I talk about is the idea of the importance of the essence of your words over the precision of them. And what I mean by that is that I can take notes that I have on paper and read them to you and be very precise in the way that I share those words. 
or I can kind of say the essence of what I mean and connect with you in a meaningful way. So um, behind me here, behind the my computer is a big whiteboard that has all my notes on it. And occasionally I might glance up at it, but they're far enough away from me that it looks like I'm talking to the camera the whole time. And so I saw all these churches that were posting whiteboards behind their camera because they're less concerned about reading the essence, the, or I'm sorry, the precision of every word they wrote on their manuscript versus kind of having some keywords that they would look like, look at. So that was kind of the fun um, aftermath of the week after um, I, I did that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, Well, in our time together, I'd love to walk through some of the content of the workshop. Uh, I don't want to give everything away. I just want to kind of give uh, people a taste of, of what you're consulting with churches to do. Um, sure. So, so uh, before we dive in, tell us how we can, uh, if, a, if a church or wants to uh, have you do the webinar or, and, and go through this material in more depth, tell us how we can um, sign up for that. Sure. Um, well, if a, a denominational organization would like to host one for multiple people, uh, that's the way I've done most of them. I'm I'm going to do some that are kind of uh, available to individuals to register to. My website is midnightoilproductions.com, and I'm going to put together, uh, after our conversation today, a forward slash webinar, so you can check that out. Uh, also, you can find me on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash midnightoilproductions, and I'm on Instagram at, uh, at midnightoilprod. Uh, so you can contact me any of those ways, or I guess you could email me at mail, M-A-I-L at midnightoilproductions.com if that's something you'd be interested in, yeah. in doing. Awesome, man. Well, I know that you've helped a lot of churches. So, um, all right. So let's kind of walk through um, your material here. So talk, talk to me about the book to film concept and, and kind of how you start the workshop off. Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, as I was thinking about framing the conversation for folks, I was thinking about how um, when you take a book and you make it into a film, there are a lot of things that have to happen to tell that same story in a new way. And one of the, I think one of the things we didn't do so well in week one for some of us who jumped online, and I don't fault anyone. I mean, it's sort of the way that it happened even in the world around us. is that a lot of people just went about worship as usual and put a camera in the back of the room and and filmed it. And in the early days of film, uh, when film cameras were first invented, what filmmakers would do is they would uh, take a stage play and they'd put a camera in the middle of the room, fifth row back, and they'd basically film a stage play. And so the first revolutionary director was the one to take the camera up on the stage and get close-ups. They wanted to give you the best seat in the house. And so I don't, I don't fault churches for thinking that way, but there's a a way in which we feel very disconnected from the experience when we're in the back. So I was thinking about um, one of my favorite books of all time is a book called Ready Player One. And it's kind of this uh, great, uh, I call it Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory meets the Matrix. Uh, And I love that book. I read it multiple times and I kept reading about how they were going to take it and make it into a film There was a bidding war for the material when it first came out, but everyone said, this is an impossible film to make. You can't make it. There are too many licensed properties and they're just, uh, it would be so expensive. And and so for the longest time, it seemed like it wasn't going to actually happen. And then Steven Spielberg stepped forward and said, I'd like to make a film. Well, guess what? (laughs) When Steven Spielberg says, I'd like to make a film, people get in line and say, we want to make a film with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there are a lot of things that had to happen. You know, you have licensing issues, you have story issues, you have length issues. How do you take a thousand page or more book and turn it into a film? Uh, You have to adapt it. You have to consolidate it. You have to reimagine the story. 
Um, you have to think about how that translates to a new medium. And then this is the part that excites me the most about where we're at right now. And that is there are people who will never walk into the bookstore. There are people who will never walk into the library and pick the book up. But there are people will, that will go buy the film. And I'd like to believe that there are people that will go and find out this film has a, a bigger story. There are times that I have bought books based on uh, films that were originally based on books. So like when I was growing up in high school and Jurassic Park came out, I didn't know that Michael Crichton had first written a book. After I saw the film, I thought, I want to know the whole story. And I bought the book and, and read it and loved the book as well. So I would like to believe that there are people who are falling in love with the film version of what we're doing now, so to speak, and that will return to worship with us in person when that happens. But I also think this, this is a both and moment. I don't think we can go back. I don't think there's the normal that we knew before doesn't exist anymore. So right. we've added a lot of skills to our tool set um, that have to continue when we are allowed to gather in person again. So um, that's how I frame the thinking around this. And a lot of the principles I teach are sort of from film to book, I'm sorry, from book to film, uh, and helping people frame the way they think about worship in this present time. So one thing that needs to happen with book to film is, is and you mentioned this, is to consolidate a lot. Uh, in order to put all of it in a two-hour movie, you have to consolidate some things. You have to change some things. Yes. Uh, uh, so how does that relate to, to church world? How, what can, what should we be consolidating for our online worship experiences? I think uh, this is a this is a hard one for some folks to swallow, but I think that generally, uh, shorter but broader in scope, shorter in length but broader in scope. And what I mean by that is that we might not do every verse of every song. We may not do five songs. We may do sermons that are not the typical length, whatever that might be. Um, but when I say shorter in length and broader in scope, what I think we ought to consider is how do we move from a Sunday to Sunday approach? You know, it, there was a time where it was like, if we did good enough this Sunday, you'd come back next Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but now I think we're living in this opportunity where it's like, if we do good enough on Sunday, you join us on Monday for Bible study in Zoom or, um, you know, coffee with the pastor or um, youth group on on Thursday night uh, or or whatever. So there's, a, there's this great broadening of the scope that we have. I've been uh, talking about the idea that we need to create TED Talk type moments in our worship experiences, meaning that TED Talks are so, they're to the point, they're very punchy, they don't waste any words or any time, and they're very shareable. So, I mean, if you want to do your entire worship experience, okay, more power to you. That's a choice you can make. But you might consider how might you have shareable moments all throughout that that you would repurpose after worship is over so here's right. a little thing that i could post to my timeline and help people experience the truth of the gospel on on wednesday because people are not going to watch your hour-long worship experience on on wednesday but they might watch a little piece of your sermon that is um you know really relevant to the world that we're living in so i'm i told people in the webinar i'm like i'm not going to tell you how how long it should be but think about consolidating. Not everything that we do in the live experience translates uh, to the the screen that we're sitting in front of. Tell me about adapting. Uh, how can we remind people? <coughs> I think one thing that me and you probably agree on is to preach to the camera. Uh, Absolutely. Instead of an empty room and I'm looking over here everywhere. Um, 
talk to me about your opinion on that. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the things that occurred to me when I was putting all this together is that what we have, have been doing up until now is what I would call a broadcast mentality or more of a monologue versus a dialogue. And the beauty of the, the situation we're in right now is that we, we have the opportunity to dialogue with folks in ways that we haven't before. So we have chat rooms that uh, are a part of our experience. Um, you can actually do shout outs. You can allow people to, to engage. But how do we make, when you're in worship, oftentimes it's one leader that is monologuing or, or broadcasting a, a set of ideas and there's not much in the way of participation that can happen. But we have a new medium and a new way to do that. So I think one of the ways that we adapt is we, um, we think about that. Uh, second thing that I, I talk a lot about is, um, like you just said, playing to the camera. And if you look at the way that Jimmy Fallon has adapted to Tonight Show, mm -hmm. he has created an experience that is maybe the most compelling stuff he's done in a long time. So I've been talking about the idea that um, it is not about being slick as much as it is authentic. Yeah. Um, authenticity right now matters more than having the best tools to, to, to play with. And it's not that, you know, you and I are both media producers, right? I, I appreciate the tools um, and I appreciate excellent quality. But I think that sometimes we see churches try to copy what somebody else is doing and they try to live into someone else's model. They do kind of the bootleg version of what somebody else is doing. Uh, so I've been encouraging churches when you adapt, be authentic, uh, be authentic. Yeah. <laughs> Authenticity matters. So be you. A um, couple other things I think that are important is um, we have opportunities for participation now. So I've seen everything from text to prayer to this number and people praying on the spot in the moment for the very prayer that you, that'd be really tough to do in worship. You know, mm -hmm. I, one, uh, one church I was working with in the Dakotas, um, they did a minty poll in the middle of worship and they got to take a poll of the needs of their entire congregation that were gathered all over the, the state. And in that moment, um, they all got to see the collective nature of their community and what they were feeling right then and there, which I thought was really cool. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, my pastor was preaching on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he said, go get pots and pans, kids. And every time you hear me say this phrase, I want you to bang on those pots and pans. And my kids, it was the most engaged they had been in worship in a long, long time. Like if, if we say, come on, we're going to gather around the TV and watch worship, you know, they want to go play video games or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they had so much fun. And uh, that was just a neat way to engage people. So yeah, uh, thinking about participation, um, I, I'd say the last two thoughts I would share would be um, one is how we do song lyrics and scripture. You know, in the room, you have the ability to use your screen and have that be up for as long as you want it to be up. But since the only portal we have into the experience is our screens, you don't, you can't keep things up forever. So if I put a graphic up right now and you're staring at it for, you know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, you start to lose connection from me. And so, uh, you know, some of us have more sophisticated setups where we can do lower thirds, or I suggest doing like what I'm doing here with my, my TV behind me. Um, it's a low tech solution, but you can put your scripture, your song lyrics up where people can actually see the face of the person uh, as they're leading that song or whatever. I think it creates uh, more engagement. And then the last thing I would say is giving. I think we have to adapt the way we do giving. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I've been coaching churches for over 20 years now, and I've been saying a lot in the last five or so about online giving. And I hear a lot of churches say, well, we don't want to do online giving. You have to pay fees. We don't get all the money if we do that, you know? 
uh, I would suggest that you're losing, you know, a hundred percent of the gifts that people can't give because they don't carry cash or you tell a millennial, write a check. <laughs> That's a like check. saying, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like saying, put on a record. You know, they might know what a record is, but they certainly don't have one. Um, so, you know, you may lose 3% or 4% or whatever the, the, the service charges you, but you get all those gifts. Um, so a couple of things that I, I talk about in the webinar, one is that uh, people don't want to give the pay to pay the utility bill. Mm -hmm. So you have to show them what their return on investment looks like. You know, tell a story about the ministry that's happening in your church before you ask them to give. Uh, help them see it. You know, at mm -hmm. the, the mega church I was on staff at um, in the late 90s, we used to call them mission moments. And the idea was that you showed the mission that was going to happen. And it seemed like every time we showed one of those, giving would increase because people would say, I want to be a part of that. Right. Um, second thing is, I think we have to tell them how to do it. A lot of folks don't know how to use our online giving platforms, especially if we just jumped online with them a few weeks ago. So I think the idea of doing a little tutorial video and in, in the webinar, I show one that's really high end, you know, it looks like something your company would have produced, like very, very nice, um, excellent drone shots and screen captures and well crafted, you know, uh, cinematic footage. Uh, but then I show one that's like a church and a lady sitting in front of the camera with her phone in front of her. And it's, it's pretty simple. And then I show a, re a really low end one with a pastor pointing the camera at his face and then at his computer. And I said, you know, all of these are effective because mm -hmm. slick doesn't matter as much as authenticity. Correct. And if you show people here are the three things you have to do to give, then uh, I think that goes a long way. So uh, we have to consider how uh, I, let me, I'll, I'll offer one final thought. And that is this giving is an act of worship. And I think that if we rob people of the experience of giving, we rob them of the fullness of their faith. And some of us, I think, don't know how to, how to approach online giving because we don't want to be like televangelists because we're on screen or whatever, asking people to send us money. But um, it really is an act of worship. So how might we invite people into the, the fullness of their faith by, by giving them the chance to give? How would you, uh, and you've given great, great ideas to this, but how would you um, uh, suggest us reimagine church? Should we have this? Um, I, I hear a lot of people, um, not a lot. There, there are a few people online that are given the line of, um, we need to have a sense of normalcy during this crisis. So we do church like we normally do it because it gives people a sense of norm normalcy, which I can see that point of view. But would you suggest that or would you suggest that the need to kind of reimagine what we're doing, that this is the time to be creative and, and try new things and that sort of thing? Which camp do you fall in? Um, first, I would say I, I would never argue with someone's experience. And if they feel like normal um, means something to them uh, by doing it the way they have, then I wouldn't argue with that experience. But I would say that I think we have as horrible as this situation is, and it's, it's horrible, you know, it's financially horrible. We've got people in our lives that have, have lost loved ones or are sick themselves. Um, but there is also a really great opportunity here. You know, COVID-19 has forced the church to move into the, the 21st century, <laughs> you, know, 20, you know, it's, it's incredible. Um, and so I probably fall in the second camp, uh, which is to not just do what you've always done, you know, mm -hmm. not just, business as usual with the camera in the back of the room. Um, I, um, I have been encouraging people to reconnect with, 
what I call the Mr. Rogers model. And that is um, that Mr. Rogers made you feel like you were in his home. You know, there aren't, if you watch Mr. Rogers and in, in the webinar, I play a little clip from Mr. Rogers. The camera is constantly pushing in on him. Um, it's all, there were very few wide shots in that show. You know, in fact, the way this show starts is a really wide shot of the neighborhood and then it pushes in and then you're in the living room with them and you pretty much spend the rest of your time with Mr. Rogers where he's talking directly to the camera. He's a little bit slower in pace. He gives you time to think about, he asks questions and waits for you in your mind to respond. Uh, so one of my biggest tips in the webinar is get closer get closer, get closer. <laughs> um, I see too many people again with a camera in the back of the room. And when the person is this big, yep. you can't even read facial expressions. Right. So it's hard to feel any sense of connection uh, to that person. Uh, okay. So, let, let's get practical here. How close yes. is too close? <laughs> that might be a little too close. All right. So <laughs> maybe neck, neck. Yeah. I'd say like our I'd shots say right here are, are, are pretty yeah. good. I think so. I think like yeah. shoulders, shoulders up a little bit of headroom above maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah you don't want to, you know, they shouldn't be able to see your pores. Right. Uh, that might be a little too close. <laughs> um, but, but I also think that, and it's okay to have wide shots if you're going to have close shots. Yeah. But if you're, I mean, what, the folks that have done this so well for so long is Life Church TV. I mean, they've, they've done such a great job over the years of making you feel like you're in the room, even though it's online. That's a great model. And they, they have some rules even about how long they're on each shot and mm -hmm. what's closed versus wide and all that. Now, we're not all going to become Life Church, you know, in, in four Nor weeks. Nor do we need to be. No, absolutely. Um, but I think in general, closer is better. Uh, another way I think we need to reimagine worship, I've seen a lot of churches kind of go about business as usual again. And, and some of us like to start with a welcome and announcements. I think the problem with starting with announcements is that if I come into your worship experience online and you start by good morning we're so glad you're with us today uh, we've got some stuff coming up here um this week and of course we're not going to meet in person but we're going to meet in zoom and and you start reading a bunch of information to them um i feel like you can lose somebody cr pretty quick that way so what i've been talking about is the idea of sharing with them what the roi is right in the beginning what's the return on investment so instead of saying all the the business that you want to talk about that's coming, wait until they're already hooked on what you're talking about. And then, you know, later in the worship experience share, now here's some next steps. Here's some things that we're going to be doing through the week. Um, so I'd like to say, you know, friends, we're living in a crazy time. Uh, first of all, welcome to worship. <laughs> friends, we're living in a crazy time. And so today we're going to hear a message about how you live faith in the midst of fear. And so over the course of the next 40 minutes or so, we're going to give you some tools to help you uh, really live into that idea. And then uh, maybe then you go into a time of singing. And then after, maybe after the sermon, you say, so here are four ways this week that you can live uh, from uh, fear to faith. And then you tell them about four opportunities that are coming up. I feel like there you take the, the announcements and you make them action steps and they become more like an extension of the sermon than they are four random pieces of information that I'm very likely to buzz right past you in the beginning. Good, good, very good. Um, uh, la good. Uh, last couple of ideas here I'll just mention is, uh, one is I, I'm a big believer in the idea of modern mustard, mustard seed moments. And what I mean by that is what are those, Jesus always used images. He picked up a mustard seed and said, your face should be like this. You know, he told a story about two brothers. Uh, 
he uh, used a lamp on a stand, you know, and uh, what are the things that are already in the space around people that you can use uh, to attach the gospel to that thing? So that every time I see my table or I see, uh, you know, a glass of water, half empty or half full. Uh, so I think that's, that's helpful. Um, and then there are kind of four major ways I've been seeing people uh, reimagine worship. And um, we can talk about those for a moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, go for it. Um, the four things that I have been seeing, uh, and some of them I've seen less of and, and more of, uh, first of all, is um, what people are calling drive-in worship. Now, I know you and I had a little bit of an exchange, not just the two of us, but you threw out some, um, some ideas about drive-in worship, and I, I responded to that. Um, I think, in theory, this is a really great idea, right? Uh, you've got people who've been cooped up in their homes for a long time. Uh, they want to be with their, their church body, with their community. Uh, so the idea of of driving into the church's parking lot and having an FM transmitter and, you know, I knew one church that even was talking about bringing out, out uh, LED screens and everything, like mm -hmm. doing the full-blown mm -hmm. deal. Um, again, I think in theory, that's awesome. I think practically it's a little tough because you've got um, folks that haven't seen each other in a long time, some of which are maybe going to want to get out of their cars and go say hi to each other. Um, Second is that you, this goes against every grain that we have instilled in us as a church, but some folks might want to use a restroom. And I really feel like churches ought to be locking their buildings and not encouraging people to come in. Cause if people come in and they get sick, um, you know, you may be liable for that. There's one church here in my area that was going to do drive-in worship and they're, they have a lawyer on their church board and the lawyer said, we can't do this. It's a liability. The church could get sued if we do it. Mm -hmm. um, then you've got um, local um, rules and laws and, you know, you can, obviously we can speak up for our rights and things like that, but, uh, you probably want to check in with your local law enforcement, uh, to, to your authorities to find out if you're even allowed to do it. I know of a church in Tulsa that had already rented the drive-in and had planned everything and they got shut down by the, either the state or the County. I don't recall which. Yeah. Um, so, I didn't, I'm not telling people you shouldn't do it, but I think you ought to weigh the risk. Is it worth it for people to potentially come and get sick? And, and then the other thing is, is you end up having to be the bad girl or the bad guy by telling everybody to stay in their cars and, and policing that. You're going to have to do that um, throughout. So, right. I know that uh, we, you and I have talked about this uh, uh, in, in other uh, settings online that, uh, about the pros and cons of this. And um, I, I wouldn't say that my mind has, has shifted in this at all. Like uh, for the last few weeks, month, I've kind of been like you, I've kind of been against it. I think now is, is the time where I could almost be a little more open to it. Like as we are moving back in, this could be a step in that direction. So um, I, you know, I, I don't want to, flip-flop on the issue but but i kind of i'm with you like right now probably not maybe in a few weeks as we're kind of dipping our toes back in maybe we go drive in and then we go social distancing church and then we go like full like maybe it's a, a step do you have any thoughts on that i think i think you make a great point you know if if our distancing rules and and i also think that we have to pay close attention to what's happening with our governors, you know, right. uh, because I don't think that the situation is identical in every state. So right. um, as your local authorities are assessing the situation and opening things up, you know, I live in Ohio 
where our governor was very fast to clamp down on everything. And I, I have a, a high degree of trust right now in our officials. And if they were to say that you can start to loosen some of these things up, I, I think it's, I think what you said is, uh, is a really valid point. And I think maybe it would be a way for us to kind of ease back into right. uh, worship. Uh, the second way that I have seen people reimagine worship is, uh, and this is the one that gets all the press, right? Uh, streaming worship. You know, mm-hmm. everybody has jumped online. And I think there are obviously lots of upsides for this. Um, the only real downside that I see is you've got folks who are not technically savvy, who don't even have access to internet. You know, I, I do a lot of coaching and consulting with uh, denominations that have people in rural areas who can't even get uh, internet. You know, I've, I've done a lot of work uh, in Wyoming and Montana, you know, places that are very spread out. Uh, but I, I talk about kind of three different models for streaming worship. Um, and of course, you're, you're aware of all these, but uh, one would be live streaming. And that is literally what it sounds like. People are doing worship live and streaming uh, live to whatever platform they're using, Facebook or um, YouTube or you know Twitch or whatever they're using. Um, the upside of this for me is that it's, it creates sort of an event, you know, come join us. On Sunday, you can do those participatory things we talked about. You can respond to the chat. You know, there's, um, there's an excitement about it being live. Uh, the downside is that you have, there are kind of three factors, and you only have control, really, of one of those three factors, and that is you have the upload from the upstream from you to the service. Then you have the service. You have the platform, Facebook or Twitter, or, or well, I guess you don't broadcast worship to Twitter, but um, to whatever platform you're using. And then you have the downstream and that's what is in someone's home. And you can only really control. I mean, you really really can't control any of them if your upstream is, is messed up. But um, I, I know that we talked about this in one of your, your round table groups that on that first week around 11 AM the internet was freezing. And so it wasn't the upstream or the downstream that was necessarily the problem. It was the platform that was the problem. Right. Uh, Sometimes it's that your internet where you're upstreaming is the problem. And then of course you can't really control that somebody at their home uh, has, has issues. So uh, that, that leads, I think to the second way that you might do this, which is pre-recorded or premiered worship. The upside of this is that you can cut out sort of two of those factors in a sense, because it doesn't matter how long it takes to upload. And then it's already on the server for the platform. So you're not worrying as much about that. Now then you, you can't do anything about downstream. Um, so there's a way in which that's more attractive for an experience that is less likely to have uh, streaming problems. The downside of course, is that you can't, you can't interact with people live in the moment because I mean, you can in a chat room because you can premiere and do a chat room, uh, but there's a give and take there. Yep. The third type of worship I talk about is a hybrid, and that is really doing similar to what we're doing even in this moment where um, I have uh, an application on my computer called Ecamm, which will allow me to show videos so I could pre-record an entire sermon and put nice graphics in it and edit it so that it's perfect. And I can start by saying, hey, well, hey, welcome to worship. We're so glad you're here today. Hey, Pastor Joe's got a great message for us today. Take it away, Pastor Joe, and I can hit play. Mm-hmm. And all of that is sort of pre-recorded. And now you still have the streaming issues, the upstream, the platform, and the downstream issue, but you can make your stuff look a lot fancier when you pre-record. So um, 
I, in my webinar, did not make one recommendation over the other, except to say that on Easter, I heard a lot of people were thinking more about um, just doing pre-recorded because of mm -hmm. platform issues. Um, yeah. But I think all of those are, are valid. And so I, I agree. And I don't, I don't slam anybody who wants to do it one way or the other. It's, it's definitely a per church kind of thing, kind of with the drive-in church. I'm not going to, my church, the church that I attend is doing drive-in church. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to slam them for that. Yeah. Um, but, but I might have some differing uh, opinions of uh, if I were the decision maker, what would I do? Um, and what might work for the majority of churches? So uh, I agree with you um, that I don't, necessarily want to have a, um, you know, tell them you have to do this. But I think my recommendation, if I were the one making the decision for your church, I would go the pre-recorded uh, premiere route. Um, and the reason I would say this is, is for the reasons that you mentioned, there's more that you can control in this environment. Now, that being said, I think when we start going back, my mind's going to shift. So right now it's pre-recorded premiere if we start going back, I'm probably going to move back into a live stream scenario. I think that this is specific on the moment because yeah. there are less things in your control right now that, you know, your streaming platform is getting hit by a ton of churches that are not normally being hit with. I mean, I know yeah. this, uh, you know, I talked with the living as one guys. I mean, they're exploding. The, and so, and multiple streaming platforms have had, have had problems. Um, yeah. And so there's, there's just less in your control right now. Whereas if we go back to church, if you do a live stream, it, it's okay. So do you have yeah. a, any thoughts on that? I, I would agree with what you're saying. I think um, the other thing I would say is that over time, they're going to learn how to deal with this traffic that they didn't expect to, to come. You know, Sundays have probably always been a big day for Facebook and YouTube, but nobody expected I mean, the church moves slow. Nobody expected all the church to get on board in a week. Right. Um, I think over time, they're going to, the system is going to be more robust and, and so on. But I also think that as we start to go back to, um, to worship in the room again, that uh, streaming is probably going to be, uh, it, I think it'll be a more attractive model uh, than, mm -hmm. than pre-recorded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, let's talk about building community. What are what are some things that I can do to build community through my online experience? So, um, what are if you have any fun things or ways that I can connect with people over stream? You mentioned a few with, you know, side chat and things like that. But do you have other ideas for building community online? Um, yeah, you know, I've seen all kinds of really great things that people are doing. Um, one of the things that I think we most churches have figured this out already but we used to put a lot of time into Sunday. You know, we'd, we'd plan a worship experience. We put all of our eggs in that Sunday morning basket. And now I think because we can do a consolidated, adapted, reimagined worship experience, we might put a little less time into that, more time into what we're doing through the week. So I think we have to start programming for the week. I've seen all kinds of great things. There's a church that I did a consultation with back in January in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and that pastor is doing a Bible story every day for kids. And she told me that I've got, kids tuning in and she's doing um, not copyrighted books, but she's actually reading biblical stories to them each day. Um, she said, I've got kids coming that don't even come to our church that have started to tune in every single day. And so this is a great opportunity for us to, to share what we're doing. 
Um, the other day I was talking with a friend of mine who's a pastor and while we were zooming with each other, his son ran by with a bunch of stuff in his hands. I said, well, you guys having a party there or what? And he said, oh no, the youth group is having a, a scavenger hunt right now. And uh, whoever gets all their stuff and puts it in front of the camera first uh, wins pizza and the church is paying for the pizza to be delivered to their house. And he said, my kids haven't been this excited about youth group in a long time, you know, so there's great yeah. opportunities to build community in that way. Um, low tech things like handwritten cards. My daughter got a card in the mail the other day from our church uh, telling her that uh, the, the teacher telling my daughter how much they missed her and they hoped that she was adjusting to this new normal that we're living in and, and so on. And it made my, my 11 year old feel like she was on top of the world. You know, it's fun to get mail when you're a kid. Um, I know one church in Columbus, Ohio, that is doing a shared podcast. All of their congregants are recording little pieces of it, and that's the way they're staying connected. Um, another church is doing busy bags, not just for kids, but for seniors. So they're putting things like puzzles and crossword puzzles and Reader's Digest, you know, things like that. Uh, so there's a way to uh, help people feel connected. Um, we've seen a million different zoom zoom conversations and meetings and Bible studies mm -hmm. and, and so on. I have a pastor friend in new England that's singing a hymn online every day. Uh, that's the way he's, he's uh, connecting with community. Um, we did a digital costume party uh, on the second week of this and uh, had families from all over the country show up and they, my kids look forward to it all day long because everybody got to wear a costume and then we voted for the best one and, and so on. Uh, and then prior to Easter, I saw people even doing uh, drive-by Easter egg hunts where they had um, pictures of Easter eggs that they sent out as PDF. People would print them and color them and put them in their windows and you could drive around mm -hmm. town and, and find all the Easter eggs. So, uh, so many ways to do community and, and to think outside the box. I think, um, again, we just need to embrace this time we're in. One, one thing I, I want to mention too, uh, we're talking about the seniors and the busy bags. A lot of those folks cannot don't know how to get online don't know how to uh, participate so I, I i was going to mention this a moment ago but there are ways to do telephonic worship too where we um you might do a a, a phone broadcast via zoom or freeconferencecall.com where you're preaching to the camera but you have a mic clipped on your chest and they can call in and listen to the message mm -hmm. And then also we can do uh, what I was calling analog worship where we print stuff out and we send it to them in the mail. So you might print a, we have to dig out an old computer and burn a, a DVD or a CD ROM or something like that. But um, I think even that is important in maintaining community that we have is, is making sure we're including those who are not tech savvy. Good, good, good. All right. Well, as we wrap today, there's one uh, other main question I want to ask you and that's uh, the music licensing issue. So how do I know that I'm covered legally? That is, you know, I am far from being a, a copyright expert. Um, and in fact, when I first put the webinar together, I reached out to some people that have done a lot more research than I have and, and mm -hmm. included in my webinars, a 20 page uh, handbook that, that has a whole section devoted to this. But there are basically three licenses that, that you, uh, you can have all of them. You can have one of them. You just need to make sure that whatever you're doing com uh, complies with the license that you have. So the one that most of us are familiar with is the CCLI license that allows you to do song lyrics on screen and worship. And the CDLI portion of that allows you to do video and, uh, but you have to have a streaming version of that. And it's, it's dependent on where you're streaming and how big your church is and things like that. Um, that doesn't cover everything though. So I work with a lot of mainline churches who like to do things from the hymnal and a lot of the stuff in the hymnal is not covered in CCLI. Uh, so there's a, 
a church called a license called the one church license, which uh, a lot of folks uh, didn't know you had to have, but um, you, you have to have that in order to do uh, some of those things. And there's church copyright solutions, which is another set of licenses. Um, I, I really think it's important that we recognize that we're not in the wild west. And just because all of a sudden we all jumped online doesn't mean that there are no rules. Right. I think churches need to be ab above reproach on this stuff. And I think that it's not just a legal thing to consider. It's also kind of a moral or ethical thing. And that is that there are people like yourself that make a living by creating media for folks. And mm -hmm. if somebody just rips it off, it's not a victimless crime to play a song or show a video or whatever that you don't have a license to. There are people who get residuals uh, based on these licenses for uh, that material. And so I want, you know, I want to encourage churches to think about the artists who devote their time to creating these things. Uh, when you use it and you don't pay for a license, that person doesn't, doesn't receive anything as well. And so um, I think there's an ethical reason to do it uh, as in addition to the legal, <laughs> you might get in trouble too, but don't do it yeah. just for that. Yeah, I agree. I have heard some people that are like, Oh, they're with so many people online. They're never going to catch me. Yeah. Guys. I, I agree with you, man. There, you know, there's, there's a bigger issue at play here ethically. Um, you know, make sure you're legal. Um, and if you're, if you're not, you know, do some research on it. So, um, yeah, I'd love to, um, get that handbook from you or, or we can send that out or make it available or whatever, because people, I think sometimes it's people just don't know what they don't know. You know, they yeah. don't know I, it's on YouTube, so I can rip it off. Right. Oh, they just yeah. don't, don't realize it sometimes. And so I would, I would go with caution. I would say, assume a no until you know it's a yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, well, uh, I got, I got that question a lot in the webinar because uh, I do a dedicated Q and a time and people would say, well, I saw, I found a video on YouTube that has the lyrics and this song. And can I use that? Well, I always recommend that you reach out to the person that created it and ask for permission. And what you're most likely going to find is that person did not have permission. And if they don't have permission and you use it, you're still liable for breaking that copyright. So go to the source, make sure that you have permission or make sure it's covered under one of the licenses that you have, or you may run the risk. Years ago, I was speaking at a national conference and a guy who was a lawyer for his day job, but served his church and media ministry came to my workshop. And he was telling me at the break that he had gone to a workshop recently for lawyers on how to defend churches uh, for copyright violations. And he said the, the, the leader of this conference was telling a story about a church that had $40,000 in violations, $10,000 each for showing movie clips that they did not have the rights to. It was a large church. And, uh, and you know, they had to pay that $40,000 in violations. So this is not something to mess around with. And I think people are opportunistic. And right now there are a lot of people that are hurting excuse me, <clears throat> hurting financially. And, yeah. um, and so they, they might be willing to turn your church in if there's some sort of a reward for that. So I think it's so important right. that we, right. we keep those things in mind. Awesome. Well, man, as we wrap today, tell us how we can get in touch with you. If people want to use you as a secret worshiper or again, book your webinar, how can we go about that? Sure. Um, MidnightOilProductions.com is my, uh, my website. And if you want to uh, email me at mail, M-A-I-L, at MidnightOilProductions.com. And then uh, I hang out on Facebook a, a lot. So uh, Facebook.com forward slash MidnightOilProductions. And uh, 
you can find me there. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate you sharing all of this content with us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's good to connect with you. Well, here we are. At home. In our living rooms. With our families. With those we love. Today, wherever you are located, know that you are not alone. You are not alone. We're still connected. Today, we gather as one body. One body. One body. Because the church is not a building. It never has been. It never has been. We gather today as one church. One church. To lift up one name. The name of Jesus. 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 So wherever you are, today is the day the Lord has made. Today is the day to give Him thanks. So let's unite. Let's worship. Let's praise His name. For he is worthy of it today and every day. Because we are still the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. That video was so much fun to put together, and it's been used and viewed thousands of times the last few weeks. And uh, we had the help of worship leaders, pastors, and church members from all over the country to make that video happen. And the message is so powerful. The church has never been a building. You guys know that. We all know that. Um, But we are still the church, Uh, and we still believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins, and rose again three days later. Uh, And he's worthy of our praise. Uh, So thank you for for watching that video. Uh, It's a bestseller on Worship House uh, Media uh, and our site. So be sure to pick it up for your church if you want to use it. We we don't require any type of additional web licensing to play it on your live stream. So feel free to to pick up that uh, video if you want to use it at your church. Uh, 1230.media, and you can uh, search for it there on our site. Uh, We're working hard to provide resources that will help you win during this season. So you can go to 1230.media for everything that we're up to uh, with ready-made media content like the We Are the Church video, uh, also custom media that we're producing for you guys, uh, and training resources to help you transform the worship experiences at your church. We love you guys. We're here for you. You can email me anytime you want. Carl at the word 12, the word 30 dot media. Carl at 1230 media. Well, thank you guys so much for listening and watching this week. Go out there and, and create some incredible online worship experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.